What's up, guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Last Take Sports Podcast. And today we have a very special guest. Some of you might know him as Stoney from Detroit's 97.1 The Tickets radio show, Jamie and Stoney. Or you might even know him as the godfather of Detroit sports radio and broadcasting. We are pleased to welcome Mike Stone to the podcast. How are you doing today, Mike? I'm doing good. What's up, boys? Not much, not much, but... Before we get started, uh, we just wanted to let you know, we wish your co-host, Jamie Samuelson, a speedy recovery and return to great health while fighting and beating colon cancer. Yeah, it was a, a tough day today when he revealed it. Uh, he tried to keep it private for a long time. People react in different ways. Obviously, I knew about this for about 18 months, but um, things have not gone great lately, so he decided uh, to let everybody know because he's been off the air for a while. So rather than people just speculating on job security and things like that, he decided to uh, let everybody know what he's been dealing with, and it's been tough. I'm sure it has been. So you have been in the sports radio and broadcasting field for quite a long time now. So can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you got into sports radio? Sure. Since I'm an old guy, I have a long background. Uh, I grew up in uh, suburban Philadelphia. Uh, I always wanted to be in sports when i realized when i was like 12 i wasn't good enough to play professional sports or even college sports i wanted to you know be the play-by-play announcer of a team i was a sports freak i won a trivia contest uh, with a lot of older people when i was young and won a trip to toronto with the flyers back in 1970 two I'd say or seven now 73 um that was 72 anyway that's irrelevant now but so uh so I always wanted to do that I did the PA announcing in my high school I went to college at American University in Washington DC uh did play-by-play of their basketball games back in the uh in the 70s and then I uh, worked for a TV station in, in Washington NBC TV station going behind the scenes, getting paid to just basically answer phones. Then I was a sports producer. We had a score phone. You guys, I don't want to see before ESPN, before the internet, especially for people who gambled, they wanted to know scores of all these games. So there used to be a service, you'd call a number, and there'd be a recording. They had one here in Detroit too. I did one one in Washington where we'd updated every 15 minutes with updated scores. And uh, then in 1986, Bernie Smilovitz, who I knew from a different a TV station in Washington, uh, got a job at Channel 4 here in Detroit. He needed a producer uh, with NBC ties. And I had just quit my job in Washington because I wanted to get on the air. That didn't work. So he brought me here as a producer. I figured I'd stay a year or so. And next thing you know, I'm here now for 36 years, I guess. And uh, I worked at, so I produced the Channel 4, did some stuff for their final audition show on the air. And then in 19, oh, before that, 1988, I, I was friendly with Mitch Album and we did this Sunday night show on 98.7 WLLZ. It was a rock and roll station on Sunday nights. We did a sports talk show. And then WDFN started in 1994. And I got the afternoon drive with a guy named Rob Parker, who now works for Fox in Los Angeles. And he left after about seven months to go back to New York. And Bob Wanowski, Wojo, joined me as co-host. And we were uh, 
very popular for a long time, and then they get rid of the whole station basically. And then I joined ninety seven one in uh, December of two thousand nine, and uh, I've been doing the mornings uh, first with Bill McAllister and then with Jamie since two thousand ten. And here we are. And uh, I also did a lot of TV for Channel 7 on Sunday nights. And I'm proud to say I'm the public address announcer of the West Blue Bill High School Laker football and basketball team. So, uh, I mean, you, early in your career, you had uh, a nice mentor, I guess, and a co-worker in Mitch Album, who you said you worked with a little earlier in your career. So yeah. how was that having him to help you kind of get into the business and get you a little comfortable? Well, he had, you know, he was like the, the local star. So I was living with him and another guy and we just sat around the table and just said, yeah, let, let's do this. And we got it done. And uh, he really didn't teach me any, I mean, because radio was, talk radio was new to him too. So we just, I was more a producer and a co-host. He ran the show, but a lot of times he was traveling doing things. On Sundays, he wasn't available, so I would do the show. All right. While you were with Wojo, you got called up to uh, be on the Jim Rome show, which kind of made you popular. What was that feeling like? It was kind of cool to be on a national show, uh, no doubt about it. And then you know, he brought his uh, infamous tour stops uh, to the palace where he performed with some guests, and we got to introduce him, and it was, it was really cool. You know, being on a national show was great because I got to, uh, my family and friends around the country got to listen because this was right, you couldn't like, this was before streaming and things like that. So it was, it was good for me. It was fun, it was very, very cool. Yeah, so you uh, grew up in Philadelphia and how would you describe kind of the sports scene there and the difference between the Philly and Detroit sports fans and the sports scenes in the two different cities? Well, Philly fans, for the most part, are <clears throat> more judgmental and more negative. We've gotten a little bit that way lately, thanks to the East Coast media, like people like uh, Mike Valenti, and to a lesser extent myself, I'm not as, quote, negative as Mike. But uh, so in, in Philly, they, you know, booed Santa Claus at games. When I was a kid, most of the teams stunk. So that was pretty familiar. I think everybody's very passionate in Philly, just like they are here. Um, the main difference, I think, is college football in Philadelphia, nobody really cares about. You know, you have a lot of people that went to Penn State, but that was – Penn State's like three, three and a half hours from Philly, and you have your diehards, but nothing like, you know, Michigan and, and Michigan State here. College basketball, on the other hand, more popular there than it is here. The five schools in the city of Philadelphia used to play each other all the time. That'd be a Villanova, Temple, St. Joe's, LaSalle, and Penn. And, you know, now those schools aren't that, you know, Villanova obviously is good, won two national championships, but the rest of them are eh. Here it's just basically Michigan to Michigan State, and nobody really cares till March. Being a Detroit sports broadcaster, how do you reduce the biasism to Philly? I've been here long enough. So, like, when the Flyers played the Red Wings for the Stanley Cup Finals in 1997, I rooted for the Red Wings. And I know people say, how can you root against your home team? I started to drift away a little bit towards that 
a few years after I got here, because I was in Washington for about eight years counting college. So although I would never root for the, uh, well, they were called the Redskins back then because I couldn't stand them. I would never root for them. Um, here was, it was different. And because of my working, I had to watch all the Detroit teams. And back in those days when we used to cover the teams, you go in the locker rooms and get to know the players a lot better. And so you were rooting or covering people that you actually knew and liked. And that had a lot to do with, you know, why I would root for them over, you know, people in Philly who they didn't know me from Adam. I didn't know them. Look, they're still my, Philly's still my B team. So like when the Eagles went to the Super Bowl, I went and rooted for them. That was a lot of fun. Because Super Bowls are something we have no idea what they were like here. So would you say that you're even a Detroit sports fan before the Philly fan? Yeah. Your uh, years of experience over here in Detroit? Yep. Yep, my friends back home hate me for it, but that's I, I can't fake it. It's just the way it is. It just happens. So during the, the past couple months, we have obviously been experiencing a global pandemic. So did you find it hard to deliver your radio show in the middle of it, especially with no sports going on? Yeah, we, I mean, you know, in a weird way, though, especially, well, with the exception of Michigan State, Michigan and Michigan State basketball, but particularly Michigan State. Um, I mean, the Pistons and Red Wings are horrible. So when everything shut down, it's like, okay, we're not gonna, we don't talk about them that much anyway because they're so bad. So we have to come up with different things to talk about. That's why in the morning you can get away with doing more pop culture things a little bit. You don't have to do all sports. But to get the sports fixed, we come up with just a lot of old stuff. You know, thankfully, at least we still had, you know, the NFL draft was very good for us. Um, the last, the last dance gave us lots of content because it became Chicago versus Philly. And then we come up with stuff that we're still doing. Uh, the greatest Detroiter to wear number five, whatever, something like, you know, those type, those kind of oddball things. And even in the non-sports stuff, you know, what's, you know, it's your favorite, you know, movie villain of all time, those type of things, just to have a lot of fun. What are some of your favorite moments in sports history you remember covering? Covering, okay, let's see. Well, I covered, well, one of my favorites when I worked in Washington was covering Villanova beating Georgetown in the 1985 NCAA championship, one of the big upsets of all time. Um, let's see, what else? Back in those days. Um, here, you know, covering uh, Bo's last game at the Rose Bowl um, that I was at. Um, obviously, the Stanley Cups, 97, 98, 2002, and 2008. Um, the bad boys were so much fun to cover, especially even before they won, like in 88, they were just so young and just, they didn't know what was going on. And they were a lot, a lot times were a lot looser too. Uh, so those were some of the, the mouse of the palace wasn't fun, but being there that night was crazy. And that championship run was a lot of fun. I mean, it's a shame they only went to, you know, one. You know, they only went to they only won one championship. They went to two finals. And even though I like Michigan State better in basketball, covering the Fab Five was pretty fun too. 
So speaking of most memorable you've ever been able to cover, what would you say the most memorable sporting event you've ever been able to attend is? Um, January 1976, the Philadelphia Flyers defeating the Central Red Army of Russia 4-1. to they, did, they came in and did a four-game exhibition tour. And that was pretty awesome. And they were the last salvation. And everybody hated the Flyers. But, you know, they were, everybody decided they, they wanted them to win. I, I was there, and it was, it, was, it was just awesome. Another great event that I went to with my lovely daughter. We went to the, uh, the Super Bowl in Minnesota where the Eagles beat the Patriots. That was a lot of fun to be at, too. Throughout your career, what was your most memorable or favorite interview or guest you had on your show? Um, let me see. How about, you know, I would say we did a show, you know, that celebrity golf tournament they have every year in Lake Tahoe. We did a, a, a show from out there and we had Charles Barkley and Bill Lambeer on together at the same time. That was a lot of fun. Uh, that, that was, that was really cool. Talking a lot, you know, there were a lot of guys we had on regularly. Like with Larry Brown on every week during the basketball season. That was just great. So, um, yeah, there's, there's, there's been a lot of great ones because we've had great athletes locally. I mean, that's what was so incredible. So, I mean, with live radio, whatever you say goes straight to the public and listeners' ears, and there is no editing or any revision. Uh, see, there's a little thing called a dump button. So <laughs> what you hear really took place like 20 seconds before. So in case I say a bad word, the producer or myself can hit a button and it gets edited out so you never hear it. Or a, or a caller would say it like that. But, yes, basically everything you say gets out of the radio. So has there been any occasions where you have said something and the producers have had to hit that dump button? Yeah, I said, uh, am I allowed to curse on this? I don't know. You guys are so I accidentally said shit once or twice. I remember I did a um, commercial for a men's clothier named Steve Pedix. And I said penis instead of Pedix once. So that, but that, you know, those are fun things. I don't think I ever said the F word. On, on radio. I might have once, instead of saying, I wanted to always say frickin', but I might probably said the, the wrong word once and got dumped, yeah. That so is. your radio show, Jamie and Stoney, has been generating great ratings. So in a tough radio market, what is the secret to a su successful talk show? Luck. Um, just try not to, I, I think you just, see, the morning, morning is so different and the competition is so much greater in the morning than it is in the afternoons. I mean, we have to deal with obviously um, Chuck and Dave, whatever they're called on W uh, Riff, who get a lot of listeners. Obviously, they they crush. A lot of people obviously listen to Mojo in the morning. Um, the rest of the day, the other day parts, you know, Valenti, Karsh Anderson, they don't really have that major competition because those music stations basically just play music. Um, so the, the key, I think the key is trying to come up with stuff that is informative, good content, and just people are most people pre-COVID, people are driving to work. At, you know, anywhere we're on at six in the morning. Most people are driving to jobs that they can't stand. 
And so we'll try to make them laugh. And that's why, you know, regular season, we're not going to break down every Red Wing, Piston, the Tiger game. You know, Lions, that's another story because they only play once a week. But so we just try to have fun as, as, if you can. And it's, you know, it's harder these days because of the political landscape of the country and especially with COVID. So finally, what advice do you give to future sports broadcasters who are trying to pursue their dreams? Well, if your dream is play-by-play, -play, you still have this good opportunity. Talk show, I, I mean, I'll never squash people's dreams. I got lucky because I got into it at the right time where there was a lot of money to be made. Uh, radios, radio stations were profitable. They were run, a lot of them, by families. Sometimes radio stations were owned by one person or, or one radio station was owned by one company. Now, our, our, my station, 97.1, is owned by Entercom Radio. They have 400, whatever stations are on it, more than that, whatever. But it's, it's like a lot of America. It's corporate America. So sometimes all they care about, sometimes, not in all cases, you know, what the stock price is and how much money they can make rather than the product. So that trickles down to people who want to get into business. They'll always sit there and say, yeah, hey, we can get somebody who can do just as good and we can pay less money. So if you're in it, unless you are a superstar, which there are very few are today's, today's game, um, it's going to be tough to make a lot of money. But what I would say, I will say, no matter what you do, especially like Go to college. Don't, I mean, I majored in, in broadcasting, which is smart, but be well-rounded. Learn how to write really well. Know a lot about everything because for some reason you're doing sports and somebody says, you know what, I don't have a sports station, but that, that, that Andrew, that Henry, they're really good. They're smart. You know, that Elliot kid, he seems to know, but I'm not doing sports, but he knows also about, you know, economics and things like that. So the more you know, uh, the more diverse you are, the better you'll be. And especially once you get out into the workforce out of college, just have fun with it and, and, and be passionate because even if you can't make a lot of money at, at certain times, uh, the greatest thing, especially in, in those days when you're single and you have no expenses, just, it's, it's the love of the art, the love of covering events, the love of interviewing people, going to games if you're, if you're doing sports, if you're doing news, chasing down a story that stuff is really fun it just gets you with that being said i think we would like to wrap up the podcast here and of course we would like to thank you mike for joining us today but before we go would you like to tell the listeners where they can find you and find your show yes if you use regular radio 97.1 on the fm dial uh, you can also um radio.com is the app and you find the Jamie and Stoney show and you can listen live from six to 10 or whenever you want, you just find our show, listen, there's a rewind uh, function. So you can listen to shows earlier in that day. Uh, also I'm on Twitter at Stoney 16, S T O N E Y 16 Facebook. And I am on Instagram, although I don't post on Instagram as much as I probably should. That's because I'm an old guy and I don't understand Snapchat, even though my daughters live on it. Once again, we'd like to thank Mike for joining us today. As always, we would like to thank all the listeners for listening to tonight's podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and download this podcast. And we'll see you guys next time on the Last Take Sports Podcast.